Welcome to the HeartStrong Discipleship Podcast. Visit heartstrong.life forward slash login to access the notes from today and all the benefits of our membership community. One to the two and two to the three. Let the world see the Holy Trinity. Let's become HeartStrong Disciples of Jesus together. Well, Heartstrong family, we have completed another six months of Heartstrong going through the Old Testament today. And I know it's the, the end of one journey, but the beginning of another. And so it doesn't feel like an end at all, as we're going to be back together on Monday, <laughs> starting in 1 Corinthians. But I do want to say, well done, well done, well done, family. It has been an amazing, amazing last six months of going through the Old Testament and God has shown up in so many unexpected ways and it's been such a blessing. I'm going to turn it over to Jason as we uh, wrap up Ruth chapter four for today and I'll come back on after he's done to make a few more comments. Lovely. Well, I would be remiss if we didn't just take but a moment and thank you, Pastor Lori. Uh, for you shoulder the complete leadership delegation and the administration of this ministry, Heartstrong. And so from, from all of our hearts to yours, thank you for this labor of love over and above everything else that you do. Uh, it really is what you carry. And so whether it's on live or replay tonight or on the podcast, we honor you. And we thank you that we're better for you saying yes and continuing to do the hard work of it. So Thank you, Pastor Lori. We honor you. Okay, John 8, 28, 32. Let's say it all together from wherever you are, what version you're learning from. Uh, so Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone. For I always do the things that are pleasing to him. And he said these things, many, as, excuse me, as he was saying these things, many believed in him. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, which is what we're doing is heart strong. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. All right. So Ruth chapter four. Uh, while there is much that we could pull from this short in length book, um, it is not short on storyline. And personally speaking, I have enjoyed how the four chapters of Ruth have love at the center of each chapter. So chapter one is all about love's resolve in very difficult and trying circumstances. Chapter two is love's response. Chapter three we see love's request. And chapter four, now we are in love's reward. How wonderful. The book of Ruth shows us, and this is powerful, or at least I think it's powerful. The book of Ruth shows us the worst God has for you is better than the best the devil has planned for you. I'm going to say that one more time. 
The book of Ruth shows us the worst God has for you. When I say God has for you, I don't mean providentially for you, but we'll walk through with you. The worst God has for you is better than the best the devil has planned for you. In your place of trust, as we've spoken about, whose voice you hear most clear, whether it be the love of the Father or the lies of the enemy, is an area we all must grow in. And so let's dig in today. Elimelech and Naomi, they settled in a pagan territory called Moab. A little recap. Elimelech and his sons do what Moses says not to do. They marry Moabite women, um, but all the men die, leaving Naomi and her two daughters in a pagan land, now all alone. And as a widow without offspring in a land without guidance to assist, she is in dire straits. Ruth, a Moabite, makes a vow to stay with Naomi as they journey back to Bethlehem. And Boaz, a leader in his community, falls in love with Ruth, a Moabite who becomes a follower of Yahweh. Naomi sees evident affection of Boaz toward Ruth. And Boaz calls Ruth a virtuous woman, or what we would now know as a Proverbs chapter 31 woman. Boaz is, is a relative, but he is not the closest relative. So Boaz cannot simply marry Ruth as two people may fall in love today and choose one another. If the closest relative does not wish to marry Ruth, then Boaz would be free to marry her. And this man who's closest, perhaps because he does not wish to have an heir with Ruth, thus further reducing his existing children's inheritance, doesn't want to marry her. So Boaz is set to become her husband or a kinsman redeemer. And so the final recap, I would say, is this. While we can see love's resolve, its response, its request, and its reward, let's not ever make the book of Ruth a fairy tale because it is full, full, of hardship where God must also move. And even as we get towards the end of chapter of chapter three and chapter four, there is also the subtle undertone of rejection in this story. But while rejection is present, uh, the closest in line rejects Ruth. While rejection is present, it isn't the defining reality for her future. And so why do I share this today? Because all of these themes are not just in the book of Ruth, they're in your story. Each and every one of our story has elements of like this within them. You know, this you probably already know, but guess who is the mother of Boaz? Rahab. Quite interesting. The prostitute who left her pagan life behind to help the Israelites. And so Boaz is going to become the great-grandfather of David. And David is in the lineage of where we get Jesus. And so Genesis chapter 1 was wonderful. Genesis chapter 2, fantastic. By the time we got to just the third chapter in the Bible, it becomes a mess. And the rest of it is God working in the mess of humanity to do what only he can do. And so today, don't dismiss nor stop at the place of rejection. Don't make that your defining moment. 
In Christ, this is never your final destination. Redemption, full redemption is your destiny. So don't accept a lesser story. God is still at work in your heart and your life in your story. Let's read Ruth chapter four, verses one to six. Now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there. And behold, the Redeemer of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, turn aside, friend, and sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took 10 men of the elders of the city and said, sit down here. So they sat down. And then he said to the Redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. So I thought I would tell you all of it and say, buy it in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not tell me that I may know, for there is no one besides you to redeem it. And I come after you. And he said, I will redeem it. Then Boaz said, the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you will also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his own inheritance. Then the Redeemer said, so first the Redeemer said, yeah, I want the land. Then the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself, my, yourself, for I cannot redeem it. A note, we often mistakenly believe our destiny is somewhere out there, but this isn't how God works. He may give us pictures and dreams and visions of a preferred future, and they are necessary and they are powerful. But let us never forget that destiny always runs right under our feet, right from our obedience or our subsequent disobedience. God is always at work. Let's continue reading together this morning. Ruth chapter 4, verse 7 to 12. Now, this was the custom in the former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. To confirm a transaction, the one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other. And this was the manner of attesting in Israel. So when the Redeemer said to Boaz, buy it for yourself, he drew off his sandal. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, you are witnesses this day that I have bought from the hand of Naomi, all that belong to Elimelech and have belonged to um, Shilion and Malhan. Also Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malhan, I have bought to be my wife, to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of this native place. And you were witnesses this day. Then all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, we are witnesses. May the Lord, and this is what's powerful, may the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. I'm going to say it again. May the Lord make the women who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. Little pause moment here. I wish sometimes that when we look at women in ministry and things like this, we wouldn't exclusively focus on one chapter in an epistle, 
but the entirety of scripture, including a moment like this, or maybe the book of Acts where the Holy Spirit fills, falls on our sons and our daughters, as Joel prophesied. Just a little moment there for my, um, our heart around women ministry. Okay, let's keep going. Uh, may you act worthily in Ephraim and be renowned in Bethlehem. And may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah, because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this woman. A few notes. Rachel and Leah, these two women were barren, if you will recall, as Ruth has been up to this point, but the Lord opened their wombs. And this is in Genesis 29, verse 31, and 30, verse 22. Leah was the mother of Judah, that's Genesis chapter 35, ancestor of the tribe of Boaz, and now Naomi. And through childbearing, they built up the house of Israel and established and perpetuated the family of Jacob. And we see this in Deuteronomy, Psalm, of course, and Proverbs. And so I love this next part. Think of the sacrifice of Ruth now in this very short book. Think of chapter one and everything that she has sacrificed and the hardship that she has experienced. Before there is any guarantee of children in the future, watch the desire the people express to Boaz in verse 11. It says, may you act worthily in Ephraim and be renowned in Bethlehem. And I think that this leads to a profound challenge for each of us today. It is one thing, it is one thing to have those who we don't know respect and value us it is another thing excuse me is another thing to have those who know us the most also respect us and value us the most and this sums up the heart of the desire of the people for boaz and let's finish our reading today in luke or sorry luke ruth chapter 4 verse 13 to 22 so boaz took ruth and she became his wife and he went into her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, who has not left you this day without a redeemer. And those are important words into the New Testament. They, they, they are in the old, and they echo into the new. And I would say to you, blessed be the Lord for you have not been left without the ultimate redeemer, who is Christ the Lord. And may his name be renowned in all of Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. What a blessing. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. Can you imagine for Naomi, what a full circle moment that must have been? I mean, we get there in four chapters. Naomi didn't get there in four chapters. Man, oh man, we just turn a page, but whoa, she lived every day, all of this. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name saying, a son has been born to Naomi. And they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse the father of David. Now that there are the generations of Perez. Perez fathered Hezron, Hezron Ram, Ram fathered Abinadab, Abinadab fathered Nashon, 
Nashon fathered Solomon, Solomon fathered Boaz, Boaz fathered Obed, and Obed fathered Jesse, and Jesse fathered David. From the lineage of David, one day came Jesus. And so the question is always not, is God at work in our story? That is never an appropriate question for a Christ follower. The appropriate question is always, where is God at work? in our story. And the story of Ruth is the story of aligning to what God is doing, even though at times aligning to what God is doing in our story is the harder way. It's the more challenging way. It is, as Jesus would say, it is the more narrow way in which to walk. And so the story of Ruth is a story of choices. It's a story of destiny. It's a story of love. It's a story of kindness. It's the story of loss. It's the story of rejection. And ultimately, it is the, it is the story of the plan of God unfolding amid the messiness we call life. So it is Ruth's story, yes. But you can also see themes within it for your story. Because it's a story of resolve, of response, of request, of rejection, and reward, ending in redemption, short in length, but not in storylines. And so let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this extraordinary book. Father, we thank you for the faithfulness of Naomi, the faithfulness of Ruth, of Boaz. Father, we thank you for the story of each one, the imperfect story. It is such an inspiration to us that, Lord, that you are always working in our lives, that you're working in our stories. And so, Father, we just take a moment right now as we kind of look reflectively from Genesis to where we are in the book of Ruth. Father, we thank you over these last six months that some of our lives have just sort of gone according to plan. And others of our lives maybe have had mountaintop experiences. And there may be others today that are even listening in who over the last six months that their life has taken twists and turns that uh, they did not see coming, nor do they desire to walk. Father, in all these things, in all these things, Father, I pray that we would remember today that Ruth seemed to understand in becoming a follower of Yahweh that we are bigger on that, Pastor Barry prayed, that we are bigger on the inside because of you than what we look like on the outside. Greater are you that are in us than all the things in this world, everything that we have to work and walk through. And so, Father, I pray, I pray faith into every single heart today. Father, as we are walking out our stories and our journeys, that you are our ultimate redeemer. That, Father, you love us, Jesus, you love us with a love that supersedes any way in which Boaz could have loved Ruth. That Father Boaz is good, but Jesus, you are perfect. And so Father, where the story of redemption is still unfolding in our hearts and lives, may we have faith and courage to follow where you lead, may we follow. And may we know that if we are with you, that you are working all things, all things for our good, not because we're good, but because you are so extraordinarily well. In the name of Jesus, we pray these things. Amen.
All right, Pastor Lori. I uh, it was a, it was a short book, so I finished a little early. Perfect. That's wonderful. It gives us more chat time, right, friends? <laughs> I love that. Well, I'm going to just take a moment before we dive into our chat time today. Thank you, Jason, for that profound teaching. I just love this book. This is a powerful, powerful book, and I love how closely it does relate to our own redemption stories. Well, uh, Heartstrong family, we have completed a second year of six months of daily uh, time in the word of God. Many, many of you on the call this morning, or even those listening later, uh, were a part of our fall and winter season last year. So for an entire year and a half straight have been meeting every day at six o'clock in the morning to dive into God's word in community. And honestly, like when I tell friends, pastors, other churches, what, what we're doing together and how many people come along for this journey. It's, it's awe inspiring. And the reality is this, that Heartstrong runs solely on the sacrifice of volunteers, volunteers that are giving at all kinds of different levels from a little to such a sacrificial amount of time that I, it's, it's awe-inspiring to me. I, I'm so, so, so grateful. And so often when I read through, you know, the letters of Paul and he talks about, you know, I am so thankful for you. I thank God for you in my prayers. I truly can feel Paul's gratitude for how the church at that time, and in our context, the church of today, has taken up the call to serve God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. You, Heartstrong family, truly are ones who have taken that call to love God in every part of who you are, to start sacrificially by, you know, making a first priority of being with God in the morning, being in community and fellowship in the morning, and then going on into your day. And if you're in the evening, doing it in the evening, it is absolutely incredible. And I don't know if you know this, but over the course of this year of Heartstrong, and I didn't really keep track of this, you know, ongoingly, but only realized in the last maybe month and a half, we actually have 690 members of Heartstrong. Last year, we were around 400 and something. So over the course of this year, 300 more people have joined the Heartstrong family. And so many, many people are using the podcast. They're using the replay. Uh, we've got, you know, the grouping that meets in the morning live and then our evening group that is consistently meeting. And so honestly, what God is doing in this group of, in this army of believers truly is extraordinary. And I do want to take a moment to just say thank you specifically to some people because there are people that are both with us on the call and some who are not, but that have given so much of their time and energy and sacrifice in servanthood to ensuring that every part of Heartstrong that we offer is done and, and ready and able to bless you and help you grow and help you to become Heartstrong disciples of Jesus. And I'm happy to say that, you know, I've been using the, we are this year, we are becoming heartstrong disciples of Jesus, but, but family, I think we are heartstrong disciples of Jesus. I, I, 
I know it's a lifelong journey, but this is what it is, what we are doing every day. This is what it means to be heartstrong disciples of Jesus. So well done. We are heartstrong disciples of Jesus together, and we will continue to be heartstrong disciples of Jesus. So I'm just going to take a moment and thank a few people by name. And when you hear the army of these names, you will realize how large of a group of people it takes to do what we do. And if I forget anyone's name, I apologize off the top. I did my very, very best to try to think of every single person um, by name that has made a very significant sacrifice, sacrificial um, amount of volunteering to make this happen. But again, if I do forget your name, please let me know because I want to know. And also uh, know that your name is written in heaven. God doesn't forget anyone's names, but I am not, I'm imperfect, but I will do my absolute best. So I want to thank uh, Lise Bastier for her oversight of all of our admin and our tech team. I want to thank Andrea Shoup for overseeing all of the communications of HeartStrong, Elizabeth Purcell for uh, overseeing all the blog coordination. On top of that, Elizabeth and Carol Ann are our um, fall and winter morning group leaders. So thank you so much for that sacrificial uh, leadership and volunteering. Um, I've got Teo, who is our podcast editor, and she does it every single day. I'm so grateful. Uh, Nat Lockhart, who oversees our website. Lindsay Beauchamp and Melanie Banks, our prayer team leads. Lucy Massacott and Monique Belvia, who are our editors. Larry Griffith uh, and Fran Griffith, who are our evening group facilitators, along with Iona and Debbie. Iona and Debbie are also on our tech team. Uh, Joel Calico on our tech team. Cindy Warren, our tech team. Amanda Mihalik, who helped with all of the HeartStrong merch. Martin Epps, who wrote and produced the HeartStrong song. Um, I've got Lynn Lanthier and Rick Davidson, who oversaw all of our accountability partnerships. Karen Sargent, who ran the HeartStrong Bootcamp for Kids, plus wrote all the HeartStrong curriculum for kids. Sam Mendoza and Angela Johnson, running HeartStrong for students every single week over the last six months. Rhonda and Jason Quarto, team leaders. Ingrid and Jeff Heeg, team leads. Terry Burns, team lead. Barry and Joyce Boucher, team lead. Andreas and Ermory Basson, team lead, Gabe Graton, Tech and Web, Michael Sullivan and Nathaniel Jones, video production, and Lynn Ethier, monthly scripture bookmarks that she just initiated all on her own. We're so grateful. And all of our teachers, I cannot name you all because there's probably about 50 of you. All of our teachers who taught this year, so, so grateful for your investment. Um, all of our HeartStrong prayer team members, that's another team of about 20 people, I would say. Um, our Life Center staff who are so supportive of HeartStrong and all that they invest into it. And truly every single one of you who show up every single day to train in God's word. We couldn't do HeartStrong without you. So we're so grateful for every single one of you. So thank you, HeartStrong family. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. It does bring tears to my eyes when I think about what we have accomplished together and what we do together every day. Um, and we're so grateful. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to visit heartstrong.life to access our daily blog for even more encouragement. 
Visit the HeartStrong shop with all kinds of merch like hoodies and t-shirts and mugs to remind you of this journey of discipleship that you're on. You can log in to heartstrong.life forward slash login to access your member content, resources, and downloads. We have live Bible studies for adults, students, and a Bible bootcamp for kids. Let's become heartstrong disciples together.